Good afternoon, Bars Nation. How's everybody doing today? Today is, we got a date. It's Wednesday, April 12th, 2023, and this is Bended Knee. For you guys wondering, where is Scott? Well, Scott is on the road right now heading into California to work out the details for the first Bards Fest, which will be coming, I believe, in July. I think he's going to have all those dates and locations and stuff up on Friday. But that is where he is today. He will be back this evening for both Bards FM and Fishers of Men. But uh, reached out to me and asked me if I would cover today, and I said absolutely. So um, I had a little topic today, and um, it may go a little bit over because I have um, – it's basically going to kind of be like a Friday with prayers. Um, I've had a lot of people reach out in prayers. Um, some are just pretty big. I've actually cried over um, one of the prayers that um, when I was reading what was – you know what was um, transpiring yesterday. So uh, I will be getting to those prayers here in just a little bit. Like I said, I may go a little bit over with topic today, but that's okay because the prayer is the most important part of this. But anyways, I wanted to share with you guys just kind of um, a little dig that I've been doing. I, I kind of moved away from the political digs as much, and I still do some political digs, but my big thing right now is scriptural digs. I love finding all the little nuggets that are hitting throughout scripture that tie one thing into the other, and it just becomes more and more fascinating to me. And over the last couple of weeks, um, my brother Jeff and I from Brothers in the Bible have had just kind of a continuing conversation um, talking about the two witnesses. And, you know, this is one of those um, things. There's no point in arguing about the dogmatic aspects of it or, or arguing about who's who and who's it going to be because it doesn't mention in Scripture exactly who these two witnesses are. But it's still interesting when you go through and you read the different sections in Scripture that kind of cover this topic the, you know, that gives you ideas of who it may be. So in Revelation 11, 3 through 12 is a description of two individuals who will help God um, or accomplish God's work during the tribulation. Um, I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. This is verse three. And but nowhere in the Bible does it actually identify who the two witnesses are by name. It doesn't even um, point out if it's People in scripture that we know, for all we know, it could be just two people that we've never heard of before. Two people from today. We're, we're really not sure. But the two witnesses in Revelation will have um, miraculous powers um, accompanying their message, Revelation eleven six, And no one will be able to stop them in their work. That's verse 5. Um, at the end of the ministry, um, when they have said all they need to say, the beast will um, come out from the water and will kill them. Um, and the wicked world will rejoice, allowing the bodies of the fallen prophets to lie in the streets. Um, this is verses 7 through 10. And then three and a half days later, however, God's two witnesses will be resurrected and in full view of all of their enemies as they ascend to heaven. So this will be something that the world um, watches together. But many people, like it says, that the evil people of this world will rejoice in their death. This is where, you know, the prayers and that the sermon really comes in. Is, you know, so that we're not distracted and we're not deceived because we're seeing a lot of deception more and more every single day. And, you know, as I, I say on my show all the time, the importance of, of praying, having that relationship with Jesus Christ and God, and then asking for that discernment so that our eyes are open, not just to see the evil and the deception that's taken place by man, the physical, the earthly aspects, but the spiritual war, the spiritual battle that's going on above us, below us, all around us, everywhere. Um, and some of these things are harder to see, especially the spiritual aspects, than even the physical aspects. And ultimately, this is a big, giant deception for, you know, the devil to who controls this earth right now to make his last move. 
and to get us completely deceived. You know, and I see a lot of people, you know, on my, my own eyes says uh, Putin and Trump, you know, and this is the thing is that right now, you know, this is why Scott always says, you know, always keep your eyes on the kingdom, one foot in the kingdom always. And it's because we need this discernment so that we aren't distracted because many of us here, if not all of us at one point, um, Trump is a great example, really like Trump. We love what he had to say. And he was one of those people that we trusted, um, you know, we felt was anointed by God. And he very well may have been. But here's the thing is if you don't follow God, if you don't repent, if you don't accept Christ into your heart, even if you are anointed, God will remove that anointing from you. And that may have very well have been the case with Trump. We don't know. And, and I always tell everybody is at the very least, we've got two factions of evil that are fighting one another right now. Um, and we need to. Like I said, we, we want one evil to beat the other, but we always need to keep our eyes open so that we don't get distracted is what I feel is the open evil that's being presented to us every day right in front of our face, and we acknowledge it. So what do we do? We turn away and we run the other direction. But are we running in the other direction into the hands of an evil that we didn't see? You know, they, they call this the great deception. It's not the deception or the kind of deception. It's the great deception, meaning that It'll be very difficult for us, even with discernment, in order to understand um, and perceive exactly what's going on in this world right now, which is why we always need to keep our eyes on heaven and have that discernment so that we can understand, so that we don't run into the arms of another evil. Because even in Scripture, at the end of days, it says that there would be a seven-year period. Um, three and a half of those years would be very peaceful. It would be a time almost like we were waiting for. And a lot of people are going to be thankful. They're going to feel like, hey, a human has come along and, and they've saved us. But that point turns um, for the second three and a half years of this um, time period to where it goes out to all out chaos, the Antichrist rises and so forth. But the point is, is during that first three and a half years, it's presented as peace. Someone comes along, stops these wars and these rumors of wars that we're talking about. Maybe we see less chaos going on with harp and other things like that. So we're going to have a sense of peace. And I call this, you know, an illusion of peace. Um, but like I said, this is why we have to have our guard up and not get caught up with what's happening on this, this world. Um, I was watching um, Fox News the other night on Easter and uh, Shannon Breen, um, who is a very big Christian, and she does a lot of books on women of the Bible. That's kind of been her focus recently. But she made a very profound statement that I have really been thinking a lot about um, after that uh, episode that she talked about. And what she said was, you know, many of us feel really uncomfortable on this earth. We feel like we are out of place. We feel like we don't belong. And she goes, and the reason that is because earth is not our home. Our home is in heaven. So we're always going to feel like an outsider in this place because, you know, I call this the land of our affliction. You know, they mentioned that multiple times in scripture. You know, when you're living in the land of your affliction, Jesus puts us in these places sometimes so that we can, you know, work his missions because, you know, we don't go to church necessarily to speak to people to wake up. They're at church. They've already looking for that relationship with God. Our point right here is to wake up and be with those people that need to hear about the Lord Almighty. You know, so I take my time just recently, even just randomly in stores, um, listening, going up and saying, hey, well, listen, I heard you were having a rough day. Can I pray for you? Just starting simple conversations like that, um, doing my bit, bit by bit, just to at least, you know, plant those seeds and start talking about scripture and talking about gospel, because we do need to wait these people and, and get them over to this side. And fortunately, I'm seeing more and more people wake up to this every single day. I see more people every day reaching out for prayer, praying for other people, 
um, talking about, oh my gosh, my eyes have finally been opened to see what this world is doing, to see the deception they're trying to put us through the indoctrination of our children. And that's a great start. But we're, you know, I feel at this point, we're going to need something biblical, like something big that's going to happen. that's going to make everybody very uncomfortable in order to seek, because oftentimes um, it takes people to be in pretty horrific situations before they find the need of desire to reach out for something greater than themselves. And in those times, often they will reach out to God. They will reach out to scripture. And that is what our job is right here during this time is to be here for those people. Even those people that have turned their backs on us, that have called us names, there's going to be some time, some point where even they open up their eyes. And the last thing that we need to do is make them feel uncomfortable or judged or hated. As Christians, we are loving people. So we need to to open up our arms and not have um, clenched fists. We need to give them a hug and be like, listen, don't worry about it. I don't hold grudges. I'm a Christian. You know, I love you. I know you're waking up now. What can we do to help you? How can we lead you to that narrow path? What can we talk to you about Christ and so forth to get you to the point where we are today through the fruits that we bear, not through our words. But guys, it is 311. So we're going to go ahead and we'll get into this prayer right now, a little spiritual warfare. Um, It's going to be a little bit longer of a prayer, I believe. And then we'll get back to the topic of the two witnesses. So everybody, please bow your heads. Heavenly Father, it's been a rough 24 hours um, for many of us, but for some of us more so. Dear Lord, I've had many people reach out in prayer just in the last 24 hours. And I want to take this time, dear Lord, just to reach out to you and and ask that you bless these people, especially the ones today that I'm going to be talking about because they need you a lot right now at this moment. As if we always need you, we need you a lot today. So uh, first, Father, I want to ask prayers for, for Jack and Nikki. Um, Nikki Knight, our sister, um, has a show uh, that she serves you and talks about Scripture, Heavenly Father, two amazing, wonderful souls on this earth. Jack had a father pass away this weekend um, over Easter weekend, and they're going through a rough time right now dealing with this loss. So I ask, Heavenly Father, that you be with Nikki, you be with Jack, you be with their entire family and help them through these times. Just bless them, dear Lord. Let them look back and celebrate all the beautiful things that transpired over the life instead of mourning the loss. Dear Lord, they they spent time with them in these end times talking about you and the importance of that relationship. And I feel like it worked, dear Lord, and, and he's sitting in heaven with you right now in a way better place than we are. So Heavenly Father, I just ask that you welcome him with big open arms. Tell him, just send the love from us. Send the love from Nikki. Send the love from Jack. And be with them and help them get through these times of loss, dear Lord. I also ask that during these times for them, that you keep their family strong. You keep their family united, not divided. Let this family grow stronger from this circumstance rather than weakening, dear Lord. Let them come together rather than turning against each other. No more division, Heavenly Father. I ask of that right now that you please just bless them. Heavenly Father, I also ask that you bless our friend Donna Bo Libby who is a beautiful soul. She's one of our longtime family members right here in Bards Nation. And she's been single for a long time. She has been her and her dogs. And she's lost a couple of her dogs over the last couple of years. And then she lost her final puppy, her final dog she lost um, on Wednesday. So Heavenly Father, I ask that you be with her. You give us strength during these times because, you know, we look at humans as being such a big loss, but we spend as much time and love with our little fur babies, dear Lord, than we do. And they become a big part of our family, no different than our children. Often these pets become our children in many circumstances. They give us the 
the comfort that we need. They give us um, just someone to talk to daily, Heavenly Father. And during these times, I know it gets more and more difficult when you're looking around and you see the toys laying on the ground, the snacks that aren't going to be eaten anymore. You, you see out of your corner of your eye, you think your dogs are still running around, dear Lord, and it is so difficult. So I ask, Heavenly Father, please, to Donna, bring her peace in her heart. Be with her. If you see it time, dear Lord, bring another beautiful pet into her life just to give her that comfort, Heavenly Father. But always let her remember the beautiful times, the joy, the fun times out playing, walking, the little trips they took together, the special times where they went out together to get ice cream. Those little things, dear Lord, that brought so much joy to the pets in, in her life, dear Lord, and that brought, and in turn, brought a lot of joy into her life. So, Heavenly Father, please be with Donna. Bless her. Let her reach out to any of us as she needs to talk for this comfort during this time. Dear Lord, we are all here for and with her. We will all pray during this time. Heavenly Father, next, I lost a friend today. Um, a friend of mine that uh, I met when I first worked for the Dallas Stars. He was the very first player that I worked with. We became good friends over the years that I worked with him. And he died last night on the ice playing hockey, doing what he loved. He is uh, two, two kids that are left behind. He's got his wife who's left behind. So, Heavenly Father, I ask that you be, bleed with all the people right now that, that knew what a great soul he was. He wasn't just a hockey player. He spent all of his time off-season as a firefighter as well, serving his community in great ways. Dear Lord, please be with his beautiful and wonderful family during these times and help them through them. And all of the extended family, dear Lord, from the Dallas Stars to the Texas Stars teams that he played and all of those that worked with him and got to know what a beautiful person he was, what a great person, what a committed person he was to his communities, dear Lord. And just be with the family to help him get through these, these difficult times. Heavenly Father, First, I ask, dear Lord, that you help me get through this prayer. Please, dear Lord, hold the, hold the tears back from my eyes. This has been a difficult one. We have a brother here named Bob, and I believe he's here with us today. And he was in our show last night having a great night and just having a beautiful evening. By the time he got over to the show that followed mine, Fishers of Men, he found out that his, his boy died. And, dear Lord, first, I don't know what to say in a situation like this. I've never been through anything like this, and I can't imagine being in this situation. And there's more to it. I'm not going to get into this, Father, but you know what Bob has been through in these last years. So, Father, Bob is an amazing person. He has been through so much. I ask you, Heavenly Father, please bless Bob. Please be with him. Be with his family. Allow Bob to have strength during these times as the patriarch of the family. Please let him be able to comfort those that... that is around him that also are going through the same loss that he went through. Father, I can't imagine what it is like to lose someone that, that's your child. This is a tough one. I wouldn't know what to say to him, Father, if I was to talk to him right now. So I ask, dear Lord, that those people that come into Bob's life over these next couple of days, give them strength, fill their heart with absolute love, and be, give them the words that need to be said to soothe the heart of Bob. To help him get through these times. Heavenly Father, the hardest part right now is watching such wonderful and great people, Christians, go through what they're going through right now, dear Lord. There's been so much loss in these last couple of years, and it's getting more and more so. And it's even harder to watch people that we love, that we see daily, go through these things and not knowing what to say to them. So, Father, please just be with Bob during these times. 
help give him the strength, dear Lord, to just be able to circumnavigate these times, to be able to focus on the beautiful times that he's had with his with his son during these years. Dear Lord, please allow him to celebrate this time and and take the morning away as much as possible, if if it's possible, dear Lord, but I know it is with you. Please watch over him. Be with him every moment during these times, dear Lord. Watch over him. Give him the love and the strength that he needs, dear Lord. And give him a constant reminder that me and many other people like Scott and everyone here in this chat are willing to talk to him at any time that he wants to, dear Lord. We may not have the words, but we have the love. We have the empathy. And we have the the need to want to help our brethren during these times, dear Lord. So please, Heavenly Father, please bless him in the greatest ways. Bless his family in the greatest ways. And just be with Bob. I love you, Heavenly Father, with all of my heart. And I thank you for listening to our prayers. And I thank you for answering all of these prayers, which you do over and over and over again. You are always here. I have seen so many of our prayers answered, Father, and I thank you for that. And I also thank you for answering the prayers that I just prayed because I know you will, Heavenly Father. And I know that things happen on this earth that we don't understand. And we never will, dear Lord, but you know what needs to happen. You know what's best. Maybe you have them serving other jobs and other missions right now, dear Lord. But I ask that you get all the people that are reaching out in prayer due to loss, sorrow, loss of jobs, stress of income, and everything else, dear Lord, and just answer these prayers and be with all of us. We love you with all of our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name and our Heavenly Father's name we pray. Amen. Guys, I apologize. I'm... Bob, Bob, if you're here, brother, I love you so much, man. Our hearts are with you. Scott and I had a long conversation about this last night, and he was trying to keep his composure too. We love you more than you will ever know. You are absolute family. You are no different than blood to us. We are all here for you. So if you need to talk to any one of us, please reach out, and we will be here for you. And God, present us with the words. So, Man, that was a tough one, guys. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get back into uh, the topic of today. And uh, Bob, just know, and everyone else that I pray for today, just know that I don't just pray for you when we're live. I pray for you four or five times at least throughout the day. My mother and I pray at night as well. Um, This is the importance of prayer and coming together right now with prayer, guys. Prayer is so important. Prayer is going to be what gets us through all of these trials and tribulations that we're going through. So... So anyways, uh, back onto the three witnesses, So, or the two witnesses. So well, there are three primary theories on the identity of the two witnesses in Revelation. And I always thought myself that the two that were going to be the witnesses were going to be Enoch and Elijah. And I'll tell you why I always theorize that, is because unlike the many other people in Scripture that were, that were buried, that died on this earth— Two people were removed from this earth and brought into heaven without dying, and that was Enoch and that was Elijah. They are seen as possibilities for the two witnesses because of their unique circumstances surrounding their exit from the world. Enoch and Elijah, as far as we know, are the only two individuals whom God has taken directly to heaven without experiencing death. And you can find that in Genesis 5.23 and 2 Kings 2.11. Um Proponents of the viewpoint of Hebrews um, 9.27, which says that all men are appointed to die once. The fact that neither Enoch nor Elijah have yet experienced death seems to qualify them for this job of the two witnesses, who will be killed when their job is done. In addition, both Enoch and Elijah 
were prophets who pronounced God's judgment. You can find that in 1 Kings 17, 1 and Jude 1, 14 through 15. So this is why my mind, um, as far as the two witnesses have been, has always been Enoch and Elijah is because like you said, is, is that, um, everyone will be appointed to die once. And since they have not left it, since they left this earth and went straight to heaven, um, I have, I have felt that God had another mission for them. And when they were the ones that would possibly come back at the witnesses after their long stint here of, uh, 1200 plus days of spreading the truth and witnessing for God, they would be killed by the beast. Um, and then after three and a half days, like I said earlier, they would be resurrected and then ascend into heaven for everyone to see. So that was the reason that I always thought that it would be those two that would ultimately end up being the two witnesses is because they have not died yet. And this would be the option the opportunity where they would be appointed to die once and ascend into heaven after completing a mission that God had for them many, many years later. And, but Jeff and I, the more we talked about it, he ended up proposing another theory to me, which uh, makes as much sense now that I look at it. And that would be Moses and Elijah. So ultimately it'd be the three, you know, the three guesses total would be Enoch, Elijah, and Moses. So Moses and Elijah are seen as possibilities for the two witnesses due to specific miracles that John says the witnesses will perform. So the witnesses will have the power to turn water into blood. This is Revelations 11.6, which duplicates a famous miracle of Moses, which happened in Exodus 7, which was, you know, the parting the sea, blood in the water. So and then um, the witnesses will have the power to destroy their enemies with fire. Revelation 11.5, which corresponds to an event in Elijah's life, which took place in 2 Kings 1. Also, strength to this view is the fact that Moses and Elijah both appeared with Jesus at the Transfiguration. That was in Matthew 17.3-4. So further, Jewish tradition expects Moses and Elijah to return based on the prophecy of Elijah coming in Malachi 4.5. And God's promise to raise up a prophet like Moses which was in Deuteronomy 18, 15, and 18, which some Jews believe the, uh, um, the necessity takes um, Moses' return. So, like I said, is overall, it's those three people. And it makes, it's interesting too, because like I said earlier, is that Enoch and Elijah both left this earth without dying. But there was also something that separated Moses from the rest of the people that were buried as well. Is if you go through scripture, most people, it tells you where they were buried, even to the point where they know exactly where the grave was and that they were buried by humans. Moses, however, was not buried by humans. Moses was buried by God himself. And although people know where he did die and they know possibly the area where he was buried, it also says in Scripture that um, it says in Scripture that no one knows where the bones are or no one knows where the grave of Moses is. Um, even to the point where the devil, if you guys remember, I believe it was back in Daniel where the devil um, went up to heaven. And uh, this is where Michael um, rebuked him in the name of the Lord, um, was basically inquiring about um, Moses as well. And I feel that the reason that these bones were buried um, unknown to the rest of this world is that Satan and the evil of this earth couldn't find those bones and then use those bones as a martyr or a way to get people focused on Moses more than Jesus. And that's just, that's just an absolute opinion, but it, you know, it kind of makes sense. So, um, going on, um, there are 
two unknowns are seen as possibilities for the two witnesses too, because of the lack of specificity of specific of um, revelations 11, because it never really talks in detail about who these two witnesses were. So scripture does not identify the two witnesses by name and no well-known person is associated with their coming. God is perfectly capable of taking two ordinary believers and enabling them to perform the same signs and wonders that Moses and Elijah did. There is nothing in Revelation 11 that requires us to assume that a famous or a biblical um, character, someone that we've become familiar with in Scripture, are going to be the ones that identify as the two witnesses. So once again, this this research is just more fun for me than anything. It's definitely nothing to argue about because we certainly don't know. But I do love going back and looking at the different things that were put in Scripture that kind of give us little signs and hints as to it, who it may be. Which is why at this point, even before when I leaned towards Enoch and Elijah, I am now myself personally leaning more towards Moses and Elijah because it does make sense. Um, there's an interesting passage that I found in Zechariah 4 that gives us a prototype of the two witnesses of Revelation. So Zechariah has a vision in which he um, sees a solid gold lampstand. On top is a bowl of oil and an olive tree that stands on each side. So verses 3 and 4 um, in Zechariah, um, the lampstand gives, us, gives its light without human maintenance being constantly supplied by the olive oil um, flowing from the trees into the bowl. God's message to Zechariah was that God's work rebuilding the temple would be accomplished not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. And you can find that in verse 6. So Zechariah asked about the meaning of the olive tree and the branches supplying the oil, and the angel who speaks to him says, These are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord, of the whole earth. This is Zechariah 4.14. Um, and in other words, God's power to sustain his work is flowing through two individuals set apart for a task or a big mission. In Zechariah's context, these two individuals could be Joshua, who is the current high priest at the time, and uh, I'm going to terribly mispronounce this, but Zerubbabel, um, who was the current governor of Judah at that time. We can um, also see a foreshadowing of Jesus Christ here as the Messiah would combine the offices of the priest and the king. When we come to Revelation eleven four, the description of the two witnesses, John says um, they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of this earth. Now, John quotes from Zechariah 4, um, the two witnesses of Revelation, like Joshua and Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel um, will have God's power flowing through to accomplish God's work. So, yeah, so it's Zerubbabel. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I apologize for mispronouncing that, but thank you, Jeff. I appreciate that. Um, but, yes, yeah, so it's an interesting topic, and the reason that I got into this is because I had been asked a couple times about, you know, the Ark of the Covenant itself, what was it, what was inside of it. And, you know, so I went through and I started looking up that, and then, you know, I got really interested in the tablets that were inside of it. And then I started kind of went further. And then I got back into this topic of, of the two witnesses, because in the time that the next temple's built, there will be, you know, major um, Christian, like a, a major something, you know, my, my guess it's going to be something, maybe the Ark of the Covenant or something like that, that is presented within this uh, this temple. And within the inside of this, you had um, a gold bowl that had manna or energy that was stored in it that represent, you know, what Christ brings to this earth. 
Then you had a, a staff or a rod, the flowering um, staff or this flowering rod that belonged to Aaron. And Aaron was the brother of Moses. And then the other um, object that was within that, um, the Ark of the Covenant, were the two tablets of Moses. So when Moses, remember, originally went up to the mountain, he had two original tablets. And when he came down, they ended up breaking the tablets because he was astonished that all the sin that took place. He's like, man, I go up there, I talk to God, man, I come back down here. Look at you guys, you're worshiping golden calves and you're doing all kinds of crazy stuff that God didn't want. So he ended up getting the, the other tablets in which those are the tablets which are inside of the Ark of the Covenant representing um, basically Jesus mending the, uh, mending the original covenants and, and commandments. So that ended up leading me into you know, this little dig that I had done um, with Jeff, and it was a very fun. Jeff and I have some phenomenal conversation about Scripture because often we tend to look at things from different perspectives, and then we come together um, with a better understanding. And, uh, you know, I'm blessed to have Jeff and many other people in my life to have these conversations with because one thing about Scripture is that you can hand a verse to 10 different people and you could get eight to 10 different um, perspectives of what this means. And then it even further becomes more important rather than just reading a simple verses, but reading what comes before it and then what comes behind it to put it in the context. But then how I read scripture is I start falling into certain aspects and then I'll notice a name get brought up or a time or something. And then I'll go into a concordance and dig a little further to make connections from other books in scripture that help me understand this verse that I'm reading in a different book in scripture. And it's amazing. And you know, honestly, I wish that I was excited about scripture like this my entire life, but here's the beauty of it is it doesn't matter because we, God brings us to that time in our lives. And once you reach out and you find that relationship with Christ, the absolute most important thing that we can do, if I, if we were to do nothing else on this earth, the most important thing we could do is ask God into our hearts, repent for our sins and be with one another during this time in the name of God, you know, but that's the thing is that God works with us to help um, our actions, bring other people to him, just like someone else's actions helped us find scripture at some point. It took me years and years and years. I always believed in God. I always believed in Jesus, but it took me years to really dive into scripture and to call myself a Christian, which I am today. Many of you have been here a lot longer. Many of you from the beginning of your lives, many of you have found them recently. And the thing is though, is that once you find that relationship, that true relationship, um, that is when you really start finding the excitement to go through scripture and to read because then it brings a better understanding to what we're trying to understand here on this earth and realize more and more over these last couple of years that no word, not one word in scripture is wasted. Everything. I mean, if you think about it, this book could have been like eight books long, but it was summed up into one book, which is our scripture, the old Testament, and the new Testament. And Every word has importance. Nothing, not one word in there is by accident or in vain. And sometimes it doesn't make sense until you get down into other books when another book or another verse ends up making sense. But it's just astounding to me how perfect the Bible is and how many little nuggets um, bring you answers that you didn't even realize before. The one that sticks in my mind recently is what we were talking about on Easter, which is when, when Jesus was out of that tomb, um, there was a napkin that was folded up on where, where he lay. And the napkin wasn't just random. I mean, Jesus could have just ascended. 
He could have just left the tomb, but he took time to fold this napkin. And that napkin is a huge nugget of understanding. And it was Jesus's way of saying, I'm coming back. I will be back. And the reason the, the, the uh, dealing with this is that back in the day, when a master had a servant and a master was eating at his table, say the, the master had to get up and use the restroom, but he planned on coming back to finish his dessert or have coffee or something like that. He would fold his napkin and lay it down as a sign to them that I'm coming back. So don't clear my table. I'll be back. If they were leaving and had no intentions of coming back, they would have just wadded the napkin up and threw it on the table. So just like the nugget of the folded napkin that lied inside that tomb was Jesus's way of saying, I'm coming back. There are little things like that that are all throughout scripture. One that I'll talk about here in the coming days on our show that Jeff and I got into a little bit last night, which was the mercy seat, which was a little seat that was put on crosses to take away some of the pain of those people that were there dying on it and the significance that that even has throughout scripture. So, you know, like I said, guys, you know, other than the importance that we have of reaching out and having that relationship with God, number one thing with Jesus accepting him into our heart, number one thing, repenting falls right up there. You know, we were asked to spread the gospel, which is important as well. Those things are absolutely important. And there's a lot of other things that are in scripture that are there to kind of give us the signs to tell us what we're looking for ahead, things to watch out for so that we can start under or utilizing the discernment that God's given us and to keep a watchful eye out so that we know when the end times are coming. And I did a show earlier um, with Shemaine, which will be on this Sunday. It's uh, on Real Voice America. And I utilized my 12 minutes during that interview to talk about the coming signs, the things that we're seeing right now, the importance right now of finding that relationship with God, which is the 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 main thing that we should be doing right now is planting those seeds and helping other people find what we have, but also to strengthen our relationship daily, to strengthen our faith daily. Because, you know, as, as you guys heard in the prayers that I was, you know, read earlier that I went through earlier, um, people are going through some very difficult times right now. And, you know, sometimes their heart and their soul becomes a little bit weakened with that sorrow. So it's us it's up to us to pray for them, to give them that strength, to pull them back up and make sure that they don't veer off of this narrow path. Because even in Matthew on the Mount of Olives, you know, Jesus talked about there being a time where even some of the, the Christians of Christians would get so caught up in the chaos and the sadness of what's happening on this earth that they themselves would lose faith. But there would be those that stood the line, that 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 had Jesus's back the whole time, which we would be a lesson to the world. Guys, we need to be that lesson to the world. We need to be constant reminders that even in our darkest times of sorrow on this earth, that God still has our back. And there's a reason for everything. And just like I explained to my mother um, when, when she lost my brother, you know, when he committed suicide, it's like, listen, you know, I, I wish that I had all the answers for you, but God knows. God is watching over all of us. God's going to get us through these difficult times. And, you know, he could very well have other tasks that he has planned for them, other missions, no different than the witnesses that are going to be coming back. New missions, new missions to complete the mission that they were started off on. No different than the missions that God has for us right now. And our main mission is first, we need to stay calm. We need to keep calm, not fear, not stress. And always remember that God has our backs. And even if we don't understand some of the bad things, some of these hard um, tribulations that we're going through this earth, God understands it. God knows what is best. And he, he takes care of things. And like I said, maybe one day we'll understand it. But we never need to forget 
is that God always knows. He always has our best interests in mind. He has strengthened us all in some pretty um, miraculous ways right now, preparing us for the battle that we're heading into, the spiritual war between good and evil, the one that's between God and the devil is the final war, but we all know how this ends. And that's the only important part. God wins. God wins, but he needs us. He's going to utilize every one of us right here on this earth to make as much change as we can because we know God's coming back. We know Christ is coming back for us, but we do not know when. Jesus doesn't even know that moment. So as I always say, there is no better time than right now to find that relationship with God. And we cannot waste our time here. We need to help those other people too. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be shy. Guys, you are doing a big solid for them. You are doing them a big favor by, by talking about Jesus, by introducing them and giving them that chance for eternal life. So don't be embarrassed. If somebody is hateful towards you and doesn't want to hear your prayer, you planted a seed. Maybe somebody else heard the conversation that you had and they got something from it. But nonetheless, right now you are doing them. Anyone that you talk to about Jesus, especially those that don't know Jesus, you are doing them the greatest favor in their lives. They may not know it yet, but one day they will appreciate it. Once they find God, accept them, Jesus, into their hearts. And then they themselves will also have that chance for salvation, which we got the day that Jesus died on that cross. But guys, I want to thank you so much for joining us um, today for this bended knee. Scott will be back this evening for both shows and then again tomorrow. But once again, guys, I, I just asked that, you know, anytime that you have a moment today over these next couple of days, please pray for Bob. Pray for Donabo Libby. Pray for Nikki. Pray for all of those people right now that are going through things that we're not. Because God utilizes during these times. While we're strong, we help those that are weak. Because one day, I can promise you this, guys, you're going to wake up weak. But we're going to be for you here with our strength to help you back on your feet. No different than you did the day that you needed us. We are all here for each other. We are here as, as Christians. We are bathing the blood of our Lord Almighty Jesus Christ. We are here for one another. We are true family in the name of Jesus. Guys, I love you very, very much. For those that are leaving, have an absolutely beautiful rest of your day. For those that are hanging out with me, I'm going to do about 20 minutes worth of music. I love you all more than I can ever say. And God bless. We shall pay any price bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. 
Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.
Like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall in the middle. 
But it wasn't much I could have feel so I tried to touch I told the truth I didn't come to fool you And even though it all went wrong I stand before the Lord I saw with nothing on my tongue Thank you. 
We're going to be on our last song right now, guys. I uh, hope you all have an absolutely beautiful day. We're going to end with some uh, Evren, the rapper. We walked in a garden, ate from a tree, fell from a world, failed to believe, told of a lie we couldn't see, sent on a quest to return and be free. It's been a while, it could be brief. I've been a sinner and a liar and a thief. I've never met another wonder like thee, see? I'm grateful that he When came I was a me. kid, someone told me I was living in a world that I would never be able to see. Never thought much of it. Filed it in the back of my subconscious. Proceeded to be living in a dream. Started down a journey when my life was anything but ordinary. And the scariness of living on the edge. Came to become more than my reality and in eventuality. My days were getting close to the ledge. Now you might be offended by the terminology that I be using. But I use it with intention to be real. I would never tell another person what to think and how to live their life according to the way I want to feel. You've got free will. Use it if you want to. I've got red pills, I sure took a lot of them, the rabbit hole's deep, it doesn't have a bottom, if you wanna take a leap, then you better hit the throttle, not the bottle of the weed, or the cane, or the speed, or the psychedelic elements that everybody needs, if you're looking for the truth, it ain't coming in the pipe, hoping that it'll calm you down, thinking that it'll make you right, they will call me hypocritical, but that's what I expect, I had to live the life, I had to live to be corrected, and live to tell a tale that I almost never told, the enemy is hoping that your soul will be sold. We walked in a garden, ate from a tree, fell from a world, failed to believe, told of a lie, we couldn't see, sent on a quest to return and be free. It's been a while, it could be brief. I've been a sinner and a liar and a thief. I've never met another wonder like thee, see? I'm grateful that he, he came told me for that the me. money was a system that they made. It didn't matter what we did, they always got paid. And even though we couldn't see the prison of the chains, that we were all slaves, and history remains. Distracted by the movies and the sports and the games. I thought that he was crazy, I still wanted fame. Just tell me what to write and I will put it on a beat. Coulda, shoulda, but I didn't. Then I hit him with the heat. Ran away from my family, a little black sheep that would build up all around him and never get to sleep. Even when I went to high school, they thought I was a geek. Picking fights, getting high, and suspended for a week. I was dealing with the drugs and the thugs on the street. 
wasn't looking for the love, I was looking for the freaks. What's the point of even living when you feeling like a fake? Way before social media was ever gonna break. Way before all the clones and the drones and posts and the Malones and the clicks and the likes and comments and the phones and the tricks and the mics. We rocked them to the bones till we bled from the nose and dropped into the groans. Every time I'm looking back into an hourglass, reminiscing about a life I used to live this in the past. I'm alive. I thank God for the trials. I'm glad that it wasn't all smiles. We walked in a garden, ate from a tree, fell from a world, failed to believe, told of a lie we couldn't see, sent on a quest to return and be free. It's been a while, it could be brief. I've been a sinner and a liar and a thief. I've never met another wonder like thee. See, I'm grateful that he came for me. Told me it'll be a while in the world that would change And people will go crazy and things will be strange And we will be divided and live in disarray Society will worry about what everybody say And there will be the voices we're hearing on the news A lot of us will try to figure out what to choose Get easily offended, society collapsed Community upended, sobriety relapsed And fighting over everything and hating to the max With families on the brink and everything is taxed The budget will be shrinking, the rules never lax We feeling like it's all coming down on our backs He said it will be tested, God's got a plan So never put your faith in the works of a man it doesn't make a difference if i didn't understand my perception is limited and life is too grand and a lot of people love to tell you everything is perfect but i gotta tell the truth because i know that that's a lie the only thing i've ever come to realize that matters is the one and only truth that we all gonna die surrender to the love and i believe in with my everything and there will come a day when i'll be looking to the sky the lord will return with the legion of light so i pledge to the one most high we walked in a garden ate from a tree fell from a world failed to believe told of a lie we couldn't see Sent on a quest to return and be free It's been a while, it could be brief I've been a sinner and a liar and a thief I've never met another wonder like thee See, I'm grateful that he came for me Yeah, that's right Better believe it I'm grateful that he came for me For you, for us, and for me, for me I'm grateful that he came for me All right, Bards Nation, thank you so much for joining us today for this Bended Knee. Scott will be back this evening for both shows, and he'll be back tomorrow for Bended Knee. Thank you for spending this time with us. Just remember, guys, if you got any moment, just keep on praying, praying for all those that I pray for and all those that I don't know need prayers, guys. This is the greatest thing that we can do right now, just to strengthen each other up. But I'm grateful to be part of your family. I love you all very, very much. I will see you tonight if you want to join us on Kilted Christian. Got a great, great interview tonight from a, Gentleman running for sheriff up in Allen County, Allegan County, Michigan. Constitutionalist Christian. Going to be a phenomenal interview. But for those of you who are heading back to work or just home, have a beautiful day. God bless. And I love you all. I'll see you later on.